You're listening to the Foggy Jack Live Podcast. Now, let's go down to the pumpkin patch. Foggy Jack Live is part of the Angry Bookworm Radio Network. Visit theangrybookworm.com for more shows like this one. Foggy Jack Live is part of the Angry Bookworm Radio Network. Visit theangrybookworm.com for more shows like this one. Hello everybody, welcome to Foggy Jack Live Podcast. Today we're talking the mortuary. And I talk ghosts, magic, and clowns with magician Elias Lefty Caress. So stay tuned. My name is Elias Caress, and you are listening to the Foggy Jack Network. <laughs> Hey, what's up, folks? I'm Shock Illusionist Dan Sperry, the Anti-Conjurer, coming in from Las Vegas, Nevada, and you're listening to the Froggy Jack Podcast. Tell all your little friends about it. Foggy Jack Live would like to thank all of our veterans, military, past and present, for your help in protecting and defending our country. We know that during these times of uncertainty, anything can happen and everybody needs some help. So we want to add to the front of every podcast the suicide hotline number, which is 1-800-273-8255. Five, five, or you can text 741-741. We want you to know that we care about you here, our listeners, to the Foggy Jack Live podcast. Don't hesitate to reach out to us or to the hotlines. Thank you for your help. Thank you for listening to the podcast, and please enjoy the show. Welcome, my children, to my dark domain. I am Wrath, the Prince of Darkness. Come of your own free will into my fold. Greed, sloth, gluttony, envy, lust, fraud. Welcome to the dark side. Grand opening Friday, September the 18th. Visit us online at themortuary.net if you dare. Visit us online at the mortuary.net. Yet. 
Hey everybody, welcome to Foggy Jack Live Podcast. I hope you guys like the music we've added to these podcasts. And uh, we have some quite the uh, surprises in store also um, for the full live shows. Um, But today, we're going to talk about the mortuary in Louisiana. The mortuary is an icon of old New Orleans as the very dead end of the world-famous Canal Street. Less than three miles from the enchanting French Quarter on the cemetery streetcar line, the magnificent magnificent mansion was originally built in 1872 and operated for about 80 years as an actual mortuary. The venue operates year-round in three fashions, a spectacular themed special event venue where a mystery mansion, an attraction that houses live escape games known as Mystery Escape Room, and during the Halloween season, the infamous Mortuary Haunted House. The city's most popular self-guided dark attraction, a New Orleans Halloween tradition. It's a haunted house in a real haunted house, Halloween haunted house. Since the Mortuary first opens its doors as a haunted attraction in 2007, it has been featured on the top ghost hunting shows including Discovery's Channel's Ghost Lab, Sci-Fi Channel's Ghost Hunters, and Ghost Hunters International. The Travel Channel's Ghost Adventures and features as one of the America's scariest haunted attractions. It is the perfect setting for a one-of-a-kind, adrenaline-pumping, nail-biting haunted house experience. The property is surrounded by actual graveyards known in New Orleans as the City of the Cities of the Dead. Now add to now add to what is undoubtedly a very scary environment to begin with, state-of-the-art animatronics, theatrical sets, movie-quality makeup, over-the-top special effects, unusual themes and details add up to experiencing one of the most terrifying Halloween haunts ever. It has been heralded as one of the top, most realistic Hollywood-style destination haunted attractions in the world, year after year. Every season... This innovative horror experience continues to draw tens of thousands of thrill-seekers anxious to see what the new new frightmares have been unleashed. Upon entering the dark corridors of the mortuary haunted house, victims, I mean guests, will encounter the works of a twisted mortician named Ravencroft. It only makes sense that these thrill-seeking These thrill-seekers rest against the iron gates of one of the city's oldest cemeteries, the Hope Mausoleum, which was was established as early as 1846. While music and screams puncture the otherwise silent night, guests wait in anticipation. But what exactly are they waiting for? The always thrilling scrapes of blood across the wall or the tantalizing... Um, thought of being chased down the narrow hallway with no chance for escape. Or perhaps more appropriately, they are hoping to be grabbed or touched by one of the attract- attraction's many ghosts. Because of this, because while well, the mortuary haunted house is known for its supernatural themes, 4800 Canal Street is actually a real haunted house. Why? Because for nearly 85 years, the mansion was not a haunted house, but a funeral home. The biggest funeral home in the city. Disclaimer, the mortuary no longer offers ghost hunts or ghost tours of the property besides the chance to participate in one of its escape rooms is probably the only open 
Besides the chance to participate in one of its escape rooms, the property only opens during the Halloween seasons as an attraction. The early days of the mortuary. Um, before the infamous time of as a funeral home, the mortuary house was built in 1872 by Irish immigrants. Mary Slattery, Slattery and her husband, John, whose last name is thought to have been Devonshire, who had purchased the property from Mr. Miss Ina M. Hoyle. At the time of this construction, Mary Slatterly had hoped uh, of 4800 Canal Street being a family home for generations. Part of the land was acquired from the next door cemetery, the Hebrew Congregation of Tem Dretch, now, New Hope, now Hope Mausoleum, spanning nearly two or three blocks in its entirety from Gasquet Street, now Cleveland, to Canal, and Anthony to Bernadette. The Greek revival that was erected was considered one of the most beautiful in the area, a perfect portrait of the aristocrat, aristocratic New Orleans. By 1880, Mary Slattery and her husband John were living at the mansion with their six children and a couple, the Keens, who were good friends. John Jr. records shows, um, was working as a stonecutter for the Jewish cemetery, just steps away from the white Greek revival. For as far as the Slatterlies could see, tombstones were all they could see. While the Jewish cemetery sat on to their left, another now ex extant cemetery rests between them. Now even two blocks up the road was... Medary Cemetery, which houses thousands of dead. As the mortuary owner, Jeff Bourne, was once recorded as saying, the mortuary is a haunted house in a real haunted house. We probably, we're probably in the middle of a, probably a million graves within a square mile radius of the building, starting within inches away from the building. This path will lead you to an unholy place, a cemetery. <laughs>
which made sense that 4800 Revival might become a funeral home. J.P. McMahon's and Son Funeral Home at 4800 Canal Street. In October of 1905, the Lee residence was sold to Miss Marie Lafontier and William Clinn. Though it's tough to prove one way or another, it's thought that Mary Slatterly and her young daughter died of yellow fever during one of the city's last epidemics. Lafontier and Clinn Clin kept the property until 1923 before selling it to notary E. Howard McCaleb. And there in 1928, McCaleb admitted that he'd purchased the property on behalf of P.J. McMahon. And it was for at that time, 4800 Canal was converted into a funeral home. And boy, was the funeral home both magnificent, magnificent, wow, I am sorry. And boy, was the funeral home both magnificently spooky, but also just plain magnificent. By 1959, P.J. McMahon and Sons had added more than a few special features to the property, including an elevator and a garage for sneakily bringing the corpses away from all seeing eyes of the public. There were smoking parlors for men and extra private rooms for ladies. Private bedrooms were added on the second floor for grieving families, and if there were not enough, there were dining rooms and eat-in areas as well. But enough about the fancy amenities, because... P.J. McMahon's and Sons was also far advanced when it came to the funeral services. The mansion was also equipped with an autopsy room, an embalming room, and an on-site crematorium. Um, cold storage for the dead, perhaps a morgue, a casket, and a flower store, and oh yes, a place for the caskets themselves. Um, the funeral home was so large, so arch- architecturally astounding, that it is said that the funeral home conducted over 20,000 funerals during its 80-year-long stretch. And if you believe the rumors, the funeral home was able to conduct 80,000 funerals all at once. Impressive, don't you think? By 1980, P.J. McMahon & Sons had had merged with the Security Industrial Funeral Home Corporation, and less than a decade later, 4800 Canal Street was once again sold, this time in 1996 to Lowen La Holdings. According to various sources, it was during this period that the funeral home began getting rid of a lot of more fascinating additions from the mid-20th century. The 14,000-square-foot property soon became way too much to oversee, and the day of eight funerals at once slowed slowly came to an end. The upkeep of such an operation far exceeded what the management was capable of doing or spending an effort, the luxurious state quo, status quo. P.J. McMahon and Sons had known and offered to generations of the New Orleans, of New, of New Orleanians. It didn't come to much surprise by 2004, the Lowen L.A. Holdings, La Holdings, um, at that point known as Alter, Alderwoods, was unable to hold 
on to the funeral home. The property, the whole property was bought by EHN2 Holdings. The overall plan was to shed the property of the funeral home additives and convert it to a, a day spa. But in the midst of all the construction and demolition, um, the construction company pulled out of the project and now and out of 4800 Canal Street, leaving the Greek revival to be a literal literal shell of its former self. Um, but who was to buy the the old funeral home? Can, as you can imagine, someone who would take a look at the property and not see it as a long haul renovation, but the opportunity to create an attraction that would drop thousands a year. Jeff Bourne and the Mortuary Haunted House. On July 2nd, 2007, Jeff Bourne, the owner of PSX Audio Video Technologies, scrolled his name on the buying on the buying country as the new owner of 4800 Canal Street. His plan to convert the old funeral home into the best haunted house attraction that Louisiana, even the South, had ever seen. He intended to open it in time for the same that time well he intended to open it in time for that same september leaving the crews only three months to finish what neil corporation had started while some may have called born bona fide crazy there was no stopping him it was during that three month stint that a paranormal investigation group out of la researched reached out to born about conducting a haunt at a hunt at the mansion they'd heard of the place having some spooky paranormal activity and were interested to learn how operating as a funeral home for 80 years might have influenced the number of spirits at the place. Hint, it definitely had an influence on the phantom phenomena. Apparently, the paranormal group from L.A. had so much success that other investigative groups overheard and began reaching out to Bourne as well. Pensacola Paranormal Foundation... Pensacola Paranormal followed up shortly after, and Bourne realized something eerily spectacular. Not only was he the owner of a ha Halloween time gold mine, but he was actually sitting on a gold mine in that the ex-funeral home he'd purchased was actually haunted. Following the haunted house inside the haunted house attraction, um, Following the various paranormal groups who held ghost hunts at the mortuary house, Jeff Bourne decided to capitalize on the interest, and by that we mean Jeff Bourne went all out. He set up over 30 cameras overall. The mortuary, all the better, captured any strange mist or apparitions roaming the halls. Those cameras included night vision cams, color and thermal types as well. Bourne was ready to discover just what haunting the Greek revival discover just what was haunting the Greek Revival Mansion. There were also microphones and audio equipment installed in hopes that some ph phantom's voice might be caught over as an EVP. During the first few years of being open, Bourne didn't just stop at operating just an attraction. The mortuary also offered people ghost tours of the building as well as actual overnight ghost hunts. Unfortunately, the Mortuary House no longer hosts tours or paranormal investigations, choosing instead to focus on the recently popular escape rooms, which have garnered a lot of fame in the last year or two. At the Mystery Escape Room, which is held year-round, groups have the chance to figure out how best to get out of these theme rooms using various clues and your team. The Escape Room at the Mortuary House 
cater largely to corporate teams or group from school schools where the hopeful outcome is team bonding. And in case you were wondering, these theme rooms consist of the serial killer's lair, fun game room, embalming room, zombie escape, the ghost lab, and the pirate treasure hunt. Fortunately or f- fortunately or unfortunately, there is no paranormal investigation involved in the mystery escape room. Though that doesn't mean that the spirits of the mortuary haunted house might not discover you during these precious minutes where you and your team are trying to escape your temporary prison. Over the years, there have been countless ghost stories which have emerged from the mortuary. After all, it is a Halloween attraction. Countless guests have come forward during the fright time season, September to November, to report that they have been touched by something unseen while going through the attraction. Others have commented that they felt a little nauseous or uncomfortable. Well, they've well, though they've given no particular reason as to why. For the most part, we guess that those feelings guests experience while going through the mortuary specialized exhibits can be directly attributed to the house as the attraction and not necessarily the ghosts of 4800 Canal Street themselves. According to one article from 2015, People will pay good money to get frightened, and apparently there are at least 5,000 haunted attractions in the United States alone. As for the reason why people love getting their pants scared right off them, for a physiological point of view, the article reads, the standard features of haunted house trigger feelings of dread because they push buttons in our brain that that evolved long before houses even existed. These alarms, but these alarm buttons warn us of potential danger and motivate us to proceed with caution. In short, we love haunted houses because they give us the absolute creeps. With our adrenaline pumping, blood rushing, heart pounding, we are walking acceptance letters that boldly say, do your worst. But because we are offering that invitation, it is very easy to believe that every inexplicable occurrence in a haunted house has got to be paranormal. In reality, it's pretty much the opposite. Going through a haunted house attraction pretty much nullifies any possibility of ghostly phenomenon occurring. So if something weird happens to you while you're creeping from one room to another, with hands rasping you from a hidden place, the fake fog swirling at your feet, just remember... There is an answer for everything, and that brush on your arm that scared you out of your shoes is probably one of the fake or real spiders that are set loose to freak you out. Um, Of the many phantoms which have been seen or reported at the mortuary, um, there are a few that stand stand out to our staff members and guests who had the luck to run into them. Um, a female spirit is known to haunt the f- for top floor of the building, crying. It's assumed for her husband who passed away decades ago. It's uncertain if the ghost of the well-dressed man seemed to be seemed on the seen on the property is the female spirit's husband, or if he's an entirely different specter completely. What can be said about the top hat-clad gentleman is that he is often seen clambering. Through the cemetery, Hope Mausoleum next door. According to local lore, his ghost is only known to appear when people are completely disrespecting the cemetery. 
A note on the cemetery. Established in 1840, Hope Mausoleum would give St. Louis Cemetery Number 1 a run for its money in terms of disorderliness. There is a lack of pathways, and many of the tombs and headstones lay directly on top of each other. The author um, even found herself stuck in a corner of the cemetery taking photos, and the only way to get out was to climb over tombstones to the front of the graveyard. It was not respectful in the least, though she was actually worried that she could not get out. But sadly, the ghost of the gentleman did not appear to her. So certainly wasn't silenced by him. She certainly wasn't silenced by him, though perhaps he knew how remorseful she was She was for doing so. Um, for another... For an, other ghosts of the mortuary house are the spirits of two young children who enjoy to romp around and play on all manners of the day. Um, well, there are a few distinct spirits known at the mortuary. For the most part, reports at the former funeral home generally include disembodied footsteps as well as whispering of ghosts. Though no one is ever there, it's more robust situations. Furniture has actually skidded across the floor in full view of the shocked employees. The mortuary ghosts certainly aren't shy whatsoever. A former employee of the mortuary, but currently the assistant general manager of Hotel St. Pierre, and um, sorry, manager did a few. Wow. All right, visiting the Mortuary Haunted House. If you are if you are interested in visiting Mortuary Haunted House, please be aware that the Haunted House attraction is only open during Halloween time from September to early November, and that's it's an attraction and it's not a paranormal investigation. Um so yeah, that is the Mortuary Haunted House. Thank you guys for joining me on Foggy Jack Live. What would you say if I were to tell you that it was possible for a man to turn into a werewolf? I'd say I was little red riding order. <laughs>
everybody, and I am proud and excited to announce our next interview is Elias Caress. He is an international performer based out of Salt Lake City, Utah. In 2011, Elias felt he was wasting his life at a lucrative career in a bank, so he quit to follow his passion to make people happy. Called the Ringmaster of Magic, Elias is a showman, magician, and variety entertainer. You may find Elias juggling, spinning a lasso, reading minds, or performing card tricks. Elias is an expert in sleight of hand, misdirection, illusion, and comedy. Elias performed on stage in the style known as stand-up magic, um, like Penn and Teller or Mac King or Close Up in the style of David Blaine. Elias received training in the arts of, by Jeff McBride at the Mystery School in Las Vegas. His comedy, his wit, and his variety of experience and abilities make him the best option for any event and make for a very interesting and fun interview. So please, without further ado. Excellent. Hello, my name is Elias Caress. I am a magician based out of Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, I've made my living as a primarily magician, but uh, technically as a variety entertainer for almost a decade now, until the pandemic put me out of business. Uh, my work was a little bit seasonal, so in the summertime I did a lot of fairs and festivals, mostly outdoor big events. Uh, in the winter I would do a lot of corporate events like uh, trade shows and conventions, uh, company parties. In October, I did a lot of Halloween stuff, which was probably my favorite. Uh, I even did Halloween stuff like off-season too sometimes, like uh, the Halloween in Summer Festival was one of my favorite festivals. That was uh, June or July every year. For many years, I was the uh, main stage MC. And that was a ton of fun. Uh, it did get canceled this year because of the pandemic, but uh, hopefully we'll be back to normal next year. And that that's the that takes place in Magna, doesn't it? Yes, that's right. That down, down the historic road or historic part of Magna. Yeah, right on Main Street, the uh, downtown-ish area. Oh, okay, I've heard of it. I've never gone, but <laughs> maybe next year. <laughs> Oh, man, it was so much fun. It was really one of my favorite events. I loved it. Um, but it was it was very hot on Main Street. And these really diehard uh, Halloween fans would go, like, in huge costumes, and it would be over 100 degrees, and, like, people were passing out left and right and stuff like that. It was It was pretty crazy. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> All right. So if you could describe your show in three words, how would you describe it? Oh, well, I, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> um, first of all, I have more than one show. Um, I really appreciated the variety of what I did. So if I had to limit myself to one particular show then uh i probably you know wouldn't have stuck with it for as long as i did um so let's see i have a, a family show which i did mostly in the summertime and geez let's see what how would i how would i describe that in three words mostly audience participation okay that would be a good one yeah um, that, but that was, you know, again, my seasonal work. It was, uh, what I did in the summertime. 
Uh, and that was all ages. Uh, that was meant for the general public. Uh, and so it's uh, strange, the, the magic world or even the live entertainment world in general is a, a little bit strange. If you have something at a big event like a festival, then anyone can go there, right? But if you have uh, a magic show in a theater, we have to buy tickets to go see it. You can expect everyone there will know like who you are and they they like you or at least like what you do uh, or this and that. Uh, fairs and festivals are a little bit different because people just want to show up to the festival and they don't necessarily know who you are or what you do. They don't necessarily like what you do. And so uh, a lot of my audience, typical audience, for the family show in the summer is uh, they don't like magic or they weren't there at least for the magic. A good percentage of them don't don't like magic or they don't like silly mustaches <laughs> or don't like me. Or, and so because of that, it's a different uh, animal. Uh, you, like like uh, what Penn and Teller does or Chris Angel or any of the big names, what they do wouldn't necessarily work in a uh, fair or festival, you know, it, it would just be different. It would be strange. Um, but that's only, you know, um, less than half of my year, like a third of my year. Okay. Um, let's see. So in my Halloween show, well, um, for the Halloween show, I do have family shows as well. And those are for all audiences. And those are very similar to the fair and festival shows in that they're like family friendly and all that. Uh, they're just Halloween themed. Um, for a long time, I did have a seance, which was a magic show for adults only. And that was just a ton of fun. But it was it was a, a lot of work, just a ton of work. And it didn't pay as much as like a big show, like a big event would pay. Yeah. yeah. So I, I kind of, I, I just haven't done one of those in years. Uh, I love them, but it's hard to make a living doing things that don't pay very well. So, Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Um, um, see the, uh, I also do corporate shows. Um, those also do have a lot of audience participation. Um, those are primarily adults, uh, but if I describe it as an adult show, then people usually get the wrong idea. People, if I say I have an adult show, they usually say something like, oh, do you, do you take your clothes off? Or what's, what's that like? um, no, I don't take my clothes off in my show, but that the primary audience is uh, over 18, and they're the corporate crowd. You know, so they're, it's generally more sophisticated, even though there's no children's tricks or jokes or anything like that in it. Um, that is a ton of fun. I also do what we call close-up magic, which can be like uh, I'm at a party and I'm mingling around and I approach a stranger like in a usually in a small group uh, like like three to ten let's say and I'll do like a card trick or something small that they can all interact with you know something uh, close up that everyone can reach out and touch if they chose to and, and sometimes they choose to <laughs> um all right. What is your favorite trick to perform close up? Uh, 
Oh, geez. Um, that would be uh, the ring and string. Um, I am primarily a sleight of hand artist. There's, <laughs> I, I'm technically a variety entertainer because I do a variety of things, like I juggle, I, I MC events, things like that. But as far as magic goes, I am primarily a sleight of hand artist. And I have a, a trick with a ring, like a finger ring, that is... Uh, it's technically an illusion. It's hard to, to explain if you're not a magician, but it's technically an illusion, but it's done with uh, not to brag or anything like that. Some fairly sophisticated sleight of hand. Okay. Uh, it's one of the most difficult things I do. And, you know, because of that, I, I really do enjoy doing it. Okay. That's when um, I was doing that trick at a house party. Someone had a big event. Uh, I think like her, one of her kids graduated college and uh, they were having a big event, big party in their big house. And I did this trick, this ring trick for some of her guests. And the lady who hired me was watching from the side and she came up to me. She says, I need to talk to you in private. And she looked angry. <laughs> uh, well, at least concerned. maybe not angry, but she looked concerned. She looked troubled. Right. And so I went with her and I, I'm just thinking like, this is the magician equivalent of, being sent to the principal's office, right? <laughs> I was a little concerned. So I went with her, and she looked at me very seriously, and she says, I need you to tell me how you did that trick. <laughs> and I told her, well, that's, that's kind of a cliche. Magicians don't give away their secrets. Uh -huh. And she kind of looked like she understood, but she was still troubled. She was just troubled looking on her face. And she's, okay, that's fine. Uh, just tell me. Is that, was that what you just did? Demonic? <laughs> <laughs> I tried. It, it took a lot of effort not to just like laugh, guffaw in her face <laughs> you know, because I was uh, ridiculous, right? It's just a trick. It's like, a, like the, a more sophisticated version of pulling a quarter from a child's ear, right? And, but, like, it's it's a really it's one of my favorite tricks and it sometimes gets people and and to the point where they think like I've got demons working with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a little more complex than just a French drop. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, that was yeah, yeah. my yeah, whole like, my high school. Yeah, I love quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, like my whole high school is is. What, I, French drop or I did magic and so. I know, I know a few things now that I'm, <laughs> it's been quite a few years and I tried to get back into it, but some, I just, I don't know. I don't have the patience for it anymore or just, <laughs> but I mean, I was, yeah, don't take perseverance, that is for sure. yeah. it takes a lot of patience to, to learn a, a few things, even if you go and like buy the Jay Sankey DVD of a hundred different close up magic tricks, it still takes forever just to. <laughs> just to understand how fast the Canadian is talking. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> that is good. It definitely does take perseverance, yeah. Yeah. I keep a few tricks in my back pocket just in case, but... <laughs> nice, you should. I read a book like when, years ago when I was a kid. I read a book on... I, I don't remember what exactly it was called, but it was like an old-timey, just a super cheap paperback, uh, very, very old. And it was something like uh, how to be a real man or how to be the art of manliness or something like that, right? 
And it did say that everyone should know at least one magic trick <laughs> or whatever, just because, you know, it happens a lot of time, like you're at a party or gathering or whatever, and there's a lull in the conversation or someone needs an icebreaker or something like that. So everyone should always have a joke ready and a trick uh, or something they could do like a juggling or just party game or party trick or so everyone should always have uh, two or three of those on hand at all times ready to go. It's definitely agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So if you could work with any magician past or present, who would you work with? Oh, oh man. <laughs> Jeez. Um, wow. Um, I would um presidents my my favorite my absolute favorite magician his name is charlie fry and he's he's pretty obscure most normal people don't know who he is uh but he's just uh uh he he won the cabaret du monde uh, a few times which is uh one of the it's considered like the the world championship of uh variety entertainment so he beat out the jugglers and the clowns and the and the magicians and everybody. Um, he's just a, one of the most amazing people I've ever seen, uh, and I highly recommend his online stuff. He has a, a ton of like uh, tricks on uh, his Facebook page that you can watch right now, and they're just tremendously entertaining. Uh, I have also heard wonderful things about Blackstone. Uh, I've heard that he's he's just one of the greatest. Uh, he was primarily an illusionist, but there's stories about how his trainload of illusions never arrives sometimes to a show, and so he would do the same. He would do a show in a huge theater with just a deck of cards, and people loved it just as much as sawing the ladies in half and making elephants disappear and, and things like that. Huh. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so. For past, I would probably pick Blackstone. Uh, for present, I would definitely pick Charlie Fry. Uh, I did get a chance to work with um, uh, Jeff McBride, who many people do consider him the best living magician. Um, but there's a lot of different measures by that, obviously, uh, different ways you can measure these things. Uh, as far as money, he, he's not – I don't think he's even top ten. But uh, he has, like, a few Guinness World Records – uh, he he headlined the Las Vegas when he was 18 years old. Uh, just uh, it's crazy things. He he is widely considered uh, at least amongst the greatest magicians alive. Yeah, yeah, I would. And I did get a chance to work with him, and and that was uh, one of the most valuable experiences I've ever had. Um, oh yeah, I also got a, a lesson, private lesson with uh, Danny Dortiz. Um, he's. Uh, Spain is very famous for their magicians. There's a tremendous amount of uh, extremely talented magicians in Spain, and he's one of them. He did fool Penn and Teller. Uh, he came on the show. Maybe you can find him online. His, his name is Danny Dortiz. Uh, he does almost entirely card tricks, but he did uh, – I, I went to his show before he gave me a lesson, mm -hmm. and he did – uh, it was supposed to be like a 45 minute show and it was, it was maybe like 50 people in the, in the theater. Uh, it was like a small theater. That's there was standing room only. I was standing in the back. Right. Um, but he did, uh, he did his 45 minutes and then he, 
he he's speaking Spanish. They said, "Una juego más," which means, uh, "Should I do one more trick?" <laughs> and everyone said, "Yeah, yeah." And so he did more trick, and then he's like, "Well, the show's over, but should I, should I do one more trick?" And <laughs> everyone cheered. He did that for three hours <laughs> and, um, of just card tricks, and uh, the audience never at any time got sick of card tricks or or got antsy or anything. They were tremendously excited the whole time. And then uh, he invited – he's a wonderful guy. He had just met me, and he invited me out to dinner with him and some of his friends. And we went out to dinner, and he never stopped doing card tricks. <laughs> we, we ate we – ate, dinner for like another two hours like it was like 3 a.m when we left the restaurant and he he never repeated a card trick he and no one ever got sick of him no one was ever like oh don't you do anything else nothing like that he, he just kept us all on the edge of our seats and just completely astonished for like a total of five hours it was crazy just one of the craziest experiences i've ever had <laughs> that's a lot of card tricks <laughs> yes yes it is <laughs> he was amazing and he would do things um he uh someone uh, people got selfies with him a lot he, he's uh, very famous in spain um most people in america don't know who he is but he's had like tv specials and he, he was saying like the day after he gave me a lesson, he was flying to Moscow for a TV special. And, uh, he, so he's famous in, in many parts of the world. And so people are stopping to get selfies with him a lot. A lot. <laughs> and so like uh, at one point he says like, hey, do you remember like an hour ago you took a selfie with me, right? Um, well, uh, pick, a, pick, the, pick 10 cards. And then look at the selfie. And this this guy picked 10 cards at random out of the deck. And he looked at the selfie. And Danny was holding those exact cards in the same order in the selfie. <laughs> and no one, no one noticed. It was amazing. Huh. I have no idea how he, how he did it. Like, <laughs> it was just really just astonishment. Just uh, out, five hours of just mind-blowing astonishment it was a very viable experience for me that's that's awesome <laughs> that's crazy yeah all right um let's see here have you um what is your favorite horror movie oh uh, evil dead part two evil yeah, most people like part three, which is also called Army of Darkness. Uh, that is by far more popular, but uh, I just I think part two is it's probably my favorite movie just out of anything, really. It's uh, out of any movie. Second, my second favorite movie is Greatest Showman, but uh, my first is Evil Dead with uh, Bruce Campbell. Okay, the second the second one is when. He's in the shed, and his girlfriend breaks in the shed with a chainsaw, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. It's, just, it's super campy. It's a total cult movie. Like Most people, like 19 out of 20 people who watch it, will hate it. <laughs> hate it <right? laughs> but, but, I, but it's a cult movie because uh, some people, for some reason, just watch and just love it. 
just love it. And I, and I was one of those people. It's really one of my favorite movies ever. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the one. It's uh, basically a remake instead of a sequel of part one. Oh yeah. Um, and I don't, I, I don't really like to research movies. I just like to enjoy them. Yeah. So I never did the research to find out why Sam Raimi, uh, the director, I think he's the writer too, um, decided to do a remake and call it a sequel. <laughs> uh, I'm sure he had some reason, but um, but but I, I don't know what that is. Uh, it's <laughs> that does that that one does have a quite a, a cult following to it. I'm my one of my favorites is Killer yeah, Clowns from Outer Space. <laughs> oh, I love that one too. <laughs> I remember, I remember, I was watching that as a kid, and my mom got like she watched it with me for like two minutes, and just like yelled at me, <laughs> like never watched it. <laughs> and as soon as we left the house, I found it again. I watched it. <laughs> is yeah, yeah I do. That, yeah. <laughs> that one is one of my all-time favorites. <laughs> uh, totally. I don't understand why. Some people are afraid of clowns. That that makes no sense to me. Like it's it's like say if I told you some people are afraid of flowers. Yeah. That that makes no sense to me really. Um, I don't find them frightening in the slightest. I even if you show me like a scary clown like like it or uh, any scary clown, I I laugh. <laughs> I, I can't help it. Right? <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, <laughs> I have a a time. Don't tell me, girlfriend. She's not here. All right. Uh, I have a tiny bit of a, a clown girl fetish. I, I think clown girls are hot. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't, I don't find them scary in the slightest bit. I just, I find them hilarious. I, if you, if a clown comes in and it doesn't even do anything, I, I'll just laugh. <laughs> It just, it's enough for me to see someone dressed as a clown for to me to laugh. It's, <laughs> I don't. I can't. I really don't understand the why anyone can be afraid of them. Yeah, I mean, besides like the movies that you know show the crazed clowns that you know, I can that that'd be a, a reason why people would be scared. But I don't. I don't know. I just. <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, I guess there's got uh, quite a bit of an interesting history in clowns. Clowns just in general have a, a semi-fascinating history, uh, and, and a lot of people study them, like, uh, academically, seriously. But uh, as far as scary clowns go, that is a, kind of an amusing history as well. You have uh, an opera called Pagliacci. Uh, I actually performed in that. And it's about uh, a clown uh, who, who kills his wife and uh, and another man on stage during his clown act, and it's it's intended to be a tragedy, and it's one of the most uh, powerful uh, operas, most emotional opera scenes, in which um, Pagliacci, the the main clown, is crying while he's trying to put his makeup on. Um, I highly recommend you look it up. Uh, then I just, uh, uh, maybe you shouldn't sign me as a source, but I just listened to a podcast. I don't remember which one it was about, uh, there were clown, like scary clown sightings in the eighties. Um, and so that's partially what 
inspired Stephen King to write it in the, I, it was like early eighties or seventies. I can't remember which, um, but that inspired him to do that. And then just uh, kind of in the last, uh, I want to say like three years ago, there was a resurgence in the scary clown thing. And you might've heard like there were clown sightings in the woods and, and just stupid things like that. Um, it might have been helped by um, starting to do the remake of the, the film It. Um, also, uh, there was Wrinkles the Clown came out at about the same time, and he got internet famous by uh, putting ads in Craigslist, offering um, if your kids are bad, then he'll come and scare them for you for like like $65 or something ridiculous like that. Huh. Uh, yeah. I, I think the, the, the history is uh, interesting. And so I, I look into it a little bit. I am definitely not an authority. And if you're, if you're interested too, you should definitely find better sources than me, but uh, I, I do find it interesting. Okay. There's actually, I can't remember the name, but there's a haunted house in, I think it's California and you can actually go on and you can, um, you can pay to have a clown come and scare your friends. So it's a clownogram. Well, I'm sure it's all over now, but uh, uh, wrinkles. The clown is, is at least credited with being, if he wasn't the first, he, he was like amongst the first to do that. Um, at least recently, you know, maybe I'm sure back in the eighties, maybe you could hire someone to scare your kids too, but yeah. Um, I'm just, um, I think just cause with the, the whole clown thing would be John Wayne Gacy also might play a part in it oh yeah um yeah i'm, I'm sure <laughs> well, it, it is, yeah I, I think that the scary clown thing has been around forever yeah honestly I, I really do. um and especially because they're really known for slapstick yeah and so if you if you go to a circus and watch a like a proper clown show then there's a they're kind of violent. They're surprisingly violent. They're intended to be funny, like uh, uh, some guy hits another guy with a big rubber you know, two by four or whatever, and he does a flip and falls down. But if you really analyze it, they are tremendously violent. <laughs> they're, they're really kind of kind of crazy, and and it's an inherent like a a natural fear for a lot of people to see something that looks human but is not yeah um that's that's why uh, many people find dolls scary um but the, and so that i'm that's it's been around in human psychology for you know i'm sure thousands of years yeah um yeah but i, I think the, the history is, is fascinating punch and judy were puppet shows but those were like tremendously violent at the end like there's a married couple a couple Punch is the husband and Judy's the wife. And and at the end of most of the shows, they're kind of lazy fair. You know, whoever does them 
can do them however he wants to really but at the end of most of them usually the husband kills the wife <laughs> um, usually he beats her like he hit her with a stick or something like that and and then children laugh and then then he kills her at the end or whatever and yeah all these things it, it's like uh also same idea with um what am i trying to fairy tales um, they're, they're what we tell our children, but if you really think about it, some of them are pretty messed up. You know, there's, yeah. there's some, there's some stuff like if you, if you wrote a new fairy tale and try to sell it to Disney or something like that, they would probably put you on an FBI watch list. <laughs> <laughs> they're really kind of messed up. They're really not things that we should be telling our children. Yeah. To, to compare the, the Disney version of Peter Pan to the actual version of it, it's... <laughs> oh, yeah, totally, that one, totally. that one gets hard. Yeah, it's messed up, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of them do get dark, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's just uh, human nature. Sometimes we're um, attracted to darker things. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, well... What is your favorite thing about Halloween? Oh man, that's like choosing one of your favorite children. <laughs> I don't know how you choose <laughs> kid. Um, I, I've always loved it. I, I've always loved the costumes. Maybe the costumes is my favorite. I, I really like. I like dressing up, but um, I more appreciate seeing other people dress up and. Uh, especially when they come up with clever things or put a lot of work into their their costumes, I really love that. Also, the idea just like strangers sharing gifts with you to make you happy for for no reason other than just that's what we've always done. I think that's a that's really uh, what I'm, uh, helps save my faith in humanity. Just the idea that. Uh, oh yeah, we we give things like treats or gifts or whatever to people we don't know, just strangers, and we wish them well and and try to make them happy, f- just for no reason, just because we've always done it. Um, that that does really help solidify my my faith in humanity, uh, because a lot of times we we do not so wonderful things to each other, uh, but but Halloween is a time where you know everyone you can have fun with strangers. You can all have a good time and, uh, and give, give things to each other. Yeah. I think I like it too. Yeah. I, I have always loved like scary movies and, and things like that. I really can't say why. I don't think there is a good reason <laughs> why I like monster movies or a scary story. I love scary stories. Um, they're, they're, I just can't get enough of them. I, I listen to uh, a scary story like on a podcast almost every day. Uh, I just love them. I, I think they're great. Right. What uh, What are your top podcasts you listen to? Oh, my my favorite one is called Time Suck. Um, it's a uh, it's an educational podcast, but it's done by a comedian, uh, and it is it is very very well done um, because there's so much competition in podcasts now some of them are huge um production value a tremendous amount of like work and money go into producing these podcasts and that's one of them uh one guy started by himself and 
Uh, Dan Cummins is his name. He's a comedian. Uh, and he put just a tremendous amount of work into it. And it progressed. And eventually it made enough money for him to hire other people and to build on it. And now like he's got a whole staff. And so once a week, he, uh, him and his staff research a topic and they, they present it in a, uh, probably the most entertaining manner possible, at least possible in audio form. Okay. Uh, today I, I listened to, uh, the history of Bruce Lee. That was good. He does a lot of true crime. Like, uh, I recently listened to the, the mob Barker gang, which is a, a, a family that robbed banks in the 1930s in the prohibition era. Hmm. Um, yeah, he does a lot of true crime. He, he does one also you, you might be into, it was called scared to death, which, uh, him and his wife just kind of tell scary stories. Uh, I like that one too, but you can kind of tell he doesn't put as much effort into that one no. as he does time suck. And so, um, and there's just so many great podcasts, uh, with scary stories, um, that, uh, that that's just I, I don't listen to that anymore because it's not the top five best uh, as far as scary stories. Um, let's see. Oh yeah, I got my phone right here. I'll uh, read you some uh, scary stories told in the dark uh, with Otis Jiry is uh, one of my favorite scary stories. Um, I I recently started listening to yours. I, I've been enjoying that one. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not to mention that last or anything. That's all good. <laughs> uh, also, uh, Monsters Among Us is uh, another great one. It's got a really low production cost, but it's uh, a podcast. He gives you a phone number, and you can call it and leave him a voicemail. And so people tell, um, like, uh, supernatural or, or paranormal stories. Okay. So you listen to it in one one voicemail. Some of some of the people are just messing around, like, uh, and you could tell they're they're making it up. They're making their story up. Yeah. Um, but uh, if you listen to a podcast, uh, you can hear like sightings of Bigfoot or aliens or ghosts. Uh, one of my favorite um, phenomena, I want to call it. Uh, he. The, the podcast calls it the mirrored men, which is a really crazy thing. Like he, some guy called in and left a voicemail saying one day I was looking out my window and I saw three people walking and they were in perfect unison, but they were just like making really like walking crazy, like jerky motions, like, like they weren't real people, but they all three of them were in perfect unison. It, it was like uh, watching uh, a video like a special effect, but I was watching it out my window and then they all turned and looked at me. And then, uh, three hours went by. I looked at like it, it I looked at the clock and three hours had gone by. And then after that, uh, voicemail, uh, all sorts of people started calling in with similar stories. Like, Hey, I saw that too. And I lost, I lost six hours or you know, this or that. Uh, I thought, I, I don't have any idea if it's true. It's probably not true. But uh, I, I think it's just a, a wonderful story, whether it is or not true. Do you listen to any like paranormal podcasts? Um, just that one. Just the it's called Monsters Among Us. Um, 
let's see. I do like I really like the scary story. Uh, Spooked is another good one. Um, uh, let's see. Most of the podcast I do listen to a lot of podcasts, and most of them are educational. But uh, I believe that Monsters Among Us is the only uh, like a like paranormal uh, that I listen to. Okay, I would. Um... I feel like all the paranormal stuff, I would say uh, Hillbilly Horror Stories. They, okay. they, they, it's a husband and wife, and they come on, there's new shows every, like, Monday, and they talk about, like, haunted places, they'll talk about cryptids, they'll talk about UFOs, and they're awesome. They're coming on the show here soon, but that I highly, oh, I highly recommend that show. Out of any podcast that I listen to, it's them. Oh, great. Okay, I'll give that a try. They're, they're really good. Um, all right, so last question here. Or one of the last questions. <laughs> um, okay. Do you have any ghost stories, personal ghost stories? Oh, um, yes. Um, one of the, the crazy story, craziest things that has ever happened to me uh, I used to put on uh, seances. I told you a little bit about them. I've done real seances, but I don't really enjoy those. Okay. So I would do fake seances. And those are basically a magic show for adults in the dark, like a scary magic show. Uh, and one day I had a, a guy, I guess he didn't understand the concept. I said a seance with magician Elias. And most people that saw that I'm a magician understood that um, it's going to be a magic show, right? But I guess this guy didn't understand that. And he comes in and, and I, I start just chatting with the audience because they're small audiences. It's just done around the table. It's not done in a the theater or anything like that. And I, I chat with everyone and he kind of he says his exact words, I want to see the devil tonight. <laughs> Show me the devil. Bring him on. <laughs> and that's almost exactly how he sounded too. And I didn't really want to ruin everyone's experience by like stopping the show and explaining, I'm a magician. <laughs> These are Anything like that. I didn't, it, it kind of ruins the vibe. So I, I just let him go on thinking that. Um, well, at one point the, the lights go out and impossible things happen. Yeah. Um, like, like uh, uh, sometimes I'm tied up on a chair and sometimes people are holding my hand so that they know that I'm not doing anything to cause these things. But like people across the table from me can feel things touching them. Uh, when lights come on, things are moved around. Uh, and it's done in a possible way where you, no one can guess like how the trick is done. Right. And it, it's uh, kind of scary. It is a little bit scary, uh, but it's, it's, as long as you keep in mind that it's just a show, then most people do enjoy it. Well, this guy, uh, the, the people to both sides of him were holding his hands. So I, I don't know how this happens, but his wine glass in front of, in front of him on the table shatters and the broken pieces like hit him in the face and like pieces, they, they shatter everywhere. Like pe pieces of glass hit everyone else. Thankfully no one was hurt or cut or anything like that. Um, but I don't know how that happened. <laughs> I didn't do it. Huh. <laughs> I don't know how he could have done it. I don't know. I don't think, I don't see how anyone could have done it. 
I really have no idea how he does. But the guy, like, he immediately, like, started crying like a baby, like, I want to stop. Stop the show. Stop the show. Like, <laughs> I don't want to anymore. So he had to immediately turn on the lights. And uh, I did have to explain to him, like, I'm a magician. This was a show. Um, he he was upset. Huh. And he, and he says, well, then how did you break the glass? And I... I told him I didn't do it, but he didn't believe me. <laughs> <laughs> and he just thinks I'm a really good magician. <laughs> because I didn't do it. I don't know how it happened. Uh. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, so that's that's probably my, my craziest story uh, as far as the ghost or paranormal or anything like that. Goes. Huh. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Alrighty. So he didn't see the devil, but yeah, I think he he was satisfied with his experience anyway. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, where can people find you? How can they get a hold of you and all that? Oh, uh, my website is the best way. It's uh, eliascaress.com. It's my name, eliascaress.com. Uh, if you're in Utah, then you can just Google magician near me. And I'm usually, you know, pretty high up in the, in the, on the page. Um, but I'm the one with the silly mustache. I'm the only, the only at the time of this recording, the only magician on the internet in Utah with a silly mustache. <laughs> <laughs> all righty. Um, all right. Thank you much for, for coming on. My pleasure. All right, thank you everybody for listening to the Foggy Jack Live podcast, and we will catch you tomorrow in the pumpkin patch. Have a good one. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Foggy Jack Live podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at foggyjack13. That's where we're most active, and that's where you can find all of our other shows that we have here with daily updates on the new shows. Also, click the link in the bio for our t-shirts. Make sure you grab a Foggy Jack Live t-shirt. We have quite a few different styles of t-shirts we have. From the classic orange logo to a purple logo to even a Playboy Mansion model logo. Go check them out in the bio. You can also find our website, all of our other social media accounts, and so much more. If you like the show, please consider joining our Patreon page for $3, $5, or $12 a month. With all of those, you get five bonus episodes a week. Plus, I'm going to start sending out postcards to each and every one of you every month for the podcast and thanking you guys for being a member of the Foggy Jack Live Patreon page or the Pumpkin Guts episodes. You can also be a sponsor to the show. You just go over to Patreon and look for the sponsorship tab. Thank you guys so much for joining me down at the Pumpkin Patch where the haunters meet the haunted. I will see you next time on the Foggy Jack Live podcast. Thank you. Goodbye, and blessed be. Oh, it's getting spooky in here.